the great job uh, getting a mum from school to film her do the readings as well. So, yeah, we'll listen to that. It's 1 Kings 19 and Colossians 4. One Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have spoken, have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, and after the wind, earthquake. But the Lord, was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire the sound of a low whisper and when Elijah heard it he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice to him and said what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life 
and take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Colossians 4, verses 2-6 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That smile at the end of the video is cracking, isn't it? Um, before we do anything, I realise we've been sat down for a while. If you would like, do you want to stand up, have a wiggle? Get, get, get some energy out. I know, well, basically Helen. Helen's having a dance upstairs. <laughs> right. If you're ready, you can sit back down again. At home, I hope you joined in with that as well, on your comfy sofas. But let's pray together as we turn to God's words. Father, as we think about these readings, as we think about your mission, Lord, pray, I pray that you would uh, guide my words. Lord, anything that is said by, that is, is want, what you want us to hear, Lord, I pray that uh, it would be, we would be able to remember it. I pray that anything that is of me and not of you, Lord, we'd forget it in an instant. And Lord, I just pray that you'd build us up to be a church that is together in our separate places doing your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, when preparing for this service, I got the title, which is up on your screens, is Your Mission is Our Mission. And I got the brief, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, I suppose I should talk about uh, our vision as a church, to be a church that gathers together for worship, but then scatters, and we all go out to our mission fields each week. You know, Sunday to Monday, we're on our front lines. Our front lines being those places where we regularly encounter people who don't know Jesus. It might be our work. It might be where we play sport or do hobbies. People we see at the till when we go shopping. Or the children that we are raising. These are our front lines and we are called to do mission there. And of course I'm going to talk about that. Of course that is important for us to remember. But I think I'm probably going to talk about it less than I would uh, if I was doing this sermon a year ago. Because I, I'm just struck by the, an awareness of the elephant in the room throughout this whole series perhaps as we talk about mission and evangelism. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in this in this. Uh, new normal, whatever, this quarantine, this lockdown, this COVID times, I'm fatigued. And actually, I recognize many, many people in our church, we're tired. And the concept of sharing our faith and evangelizing and doing mission 
just sounds like more work and more something else that's going to make us tired, both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And then of all people, uh, as I was thinking about this, we had that interview with Libby. Libby, who, uh, she said loads of things that I found really encouraging for me as, as I share my faith on my front lines. But she also did talk about the things she's encountering in life of people being fatigued, society, our mental health being stretched. And so this morning, I want us to consider uh, three things, really. I want to acknowledge that we are all fatigued and that we need to be refueled. We need to be refueled with the Spirit of God in us. Secondly, we are still called to be a missional church. Actually, a church without mission is not the church. And we're still called to be sharing Jesus on our front lines. But, thirdly, that this mission shouldn't be a burden. This shouldn't be tiring because actually God is in charge. And we're in this together, even though we might be scattered on our front lines. Your mission is our mission and we're in this together. And all of this I want to look, look at through the lens of 1 Kings 19 and this story of Elijah. Now this is a very common passage that we hear preached on for, for the, particularly looking at the still small voice of God. How we hear God's voice in, in quietness, stillness, uh, when we need to. And that's amazing and that's brilliant. But I've also recently heard some sermons using this passage to kind of look at how God approaches mental health. And, pe- and how God cares for someone who is struggling with their mental health. And I think that's really, really, really helpful. And I want us to do something similar this morning. Uh, but also, I want to ask this question about what does this say to us about mission? How, what is this passage? Because I believe that a whole Bible reveals a God who is a God of mission. And we are called into mission through the Bible. And I want to ask, you know, we, as we look at this passage... What can we learn as we think about our front lines? Now, what is mission? Um, Obviously, I could talk about this forever, um, but actually today, um, we're not going to kind of focus on that. And it's something we've been focusing on through our series is we have our six M's, um, our six M's that we've talked about. These are kind of, they're really helpful ways of showing that mission is more than just preaching Jesus on a street corner or more than just telling people about Jesus. Mission is is much more holistic. Things like modeling godly character, making good work, molding the culture around us. Mission, they're all part of mission. So 1 Kings 19. Now this this passage follows on from uh, 1 Kings 17 and 18, where Elijah turns up and he hears the word of God to go to the king and tell him that because Israel had turned their backs on God and they were worshipping a different god, a god called Baal apparently, there was going to be a famine. There was going to be no rain in the land. And, and, you know, Elijah says this, and there is no rain. And I want to say that that's pretty cool. <laughs> Elijah's got this faith. He hears from God and he says to the king, it's not going to rain. And do you know what? It doesn't rain. I just find that interesting. Then he meets a widow whose young son had died. And he prayed. Uh, Elijah prays for him and God brought him back to life. And that is really, really cool. You know, God was working his mission and using Elijah in it. Then in 1 Kings 18, uh, you get the incident with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, um, where Elijah not only humiliates the prophets as he proves that uh, Yahweh is the one true God and Baal is nothing, 
he actually afterwards has all 500 of these prophets executed. That is a tricky thing to read, and yes, I will be asking Helen about that in our podcast. Another reason why you should listen. But then at the end of 1 Kings 18, there's just a, one of my favorite little bits of scripture. There's like this little verse that says that Elijah tells the king, right, now it's going to rain. The rains are going to come back. God is kind of saying that the rains are coming back. And it does. The rain comes back. And the king, he, King Ahab, he gets in his chariot and runs ahead. But it just says this little thing that Elijah hoists up his, uh, his, his robes and he outruns the, uh, the, the, the chariots all the way to the city. Like God's faith working through him so that he'd outrun Usain Bolt. I mean, I just love that. So Elijah, whilst we might question how he dealt with the prophets of Baal, was a man of faith. And he trusted God and he was thoroughly invested in God's mission. But then the story changes. 1 Kings 19 starts with him crumbling at the sound of Jezebel's threat in verse 2. Because Baal was her God, she, she loved following him and she was angry at what Elijah had done to the prophets. She says this, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And this affects Elijah so powerfully. And the next verse simply says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This is no longer a man of faith following God in everything. Despite seeing God do incredible things, he had nothing left but to give in to fear and run. In fact, his descent into panic and worry is so severe that in verse 4 of uh, 1 Kings, he prays the suicide prayer. He says, he came, to a, a, a broom bush, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. As we all recognize from Libby's words in the video, people's mental health is fractured at the moment. There will be people here among us or at home who are potentially close to praying this prayer. If that is you, then, then please do reach out to us as a church or those around you. Perhaps look back over the summer. Joe did an amazing sermon on mental health. God, we were doing a series of God in the headlines and uh, Joe did a, a sermon on mental health. Do look that up. Do, do, don't keep this to yourself because you are not alone in this and actually we're there to support people. But for now, let's look at how God treats Elijah. It's just my, one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He sleeps. He rests. He sabbaths. You know, when we're thinking about getting involved with mission, with sharing Jesus on our front lines, with our friends and our families, during, especially during these unprecedented times, I think there's something to be said about starting with Sabbath rest. Again, perhaps that is a sermon for another day, but do think about this. Uh, and do wonder, I wonder, you know, maybe there's something in that. Then in the story, an angel of the Lord appears and looks after him. <clears throat> he brings him food and do you know what? Elijah rests again. And I just wondered, who is this angel? Who is this angel of the Lord? The Hebrew term is Malak Yahweh. Malak being 
angel, or literally that word means messenger. Now, it could be that this is the presence of God. Sometimes Malak Yahweh means the presence of God. Sometimes it means an angel, a spiritual being. But it ju- literally, it just means messenger of God, that phrase. And I find that interesting, that there's a bit of vagary in this. And I think there's an encouragement for us in this as well. Your mission is our mission. Sometimes for us to be missional as a church, we are called to support one another. We're called to be like that uh, angel there, supporting, looking after those who are in need, on their, on their, especially if they're flagging or burning out. I read an article this week in the Church Times that said that 60% of head teachers and over 50% of teachers in uh, church schools have reported that their mental health is struggling during these last six months. They've had mental health problems. As a church, we have teachers, we have healthcare professionals, carers, and other frontline key workers who probably more than any of us are struggling or close to burnout during this pandemic as they try to live out their faith on their front lines. Your mission is our mission. And if you need to lean on the church during this time, if you need to to come to us, then we're here to be leaned on. Come, rest, eat, rest again, and be refueled in the power of the Spirit with the support of the body of Christ to continue in the mission. Because that's what Elijah does. Elijah eats and is, and is recharged physically, but then he's running again, but he's not running away from anything anymore. Now he is running to Horeb. He's running to the mountain of God. And when he gets there, he has this powerful and yet gentle and tender encounter with God. There he pours his heart out to God and twice says the same thing. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah feels like he is all alone. He feels like he's the only one doing the mission of God. He's the only one being faithful. He is isolated. And I think in this world we live in, when we are scattered on our various front lines, it can feel like perhaps we are all alone. Maybe you're the only Christian in your workplace. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family home. Sometimes, like Elijah, we can feel all alone in our mission. But you know what? That isn't true. We are not alone. The whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing reveals a God that is a God of mission. The whole of human history, of all of creation, reveals that God is a God who's wanting to show the world his love, to restore the world, to redeem the world. You know, if we think about our six M's, who does them more than God? Who models godly character more than God? Who makes good works more than God? Who molds culture as a mouthpiece for truth and justice? And who delivers the gospel better than God did. God, who could have just announced something from the skies, saying, oh, you need to follow me. But no, he sent his son, Jesus, to live amongst us, to live with us in all the hurts, the the pains, the realities of life, to show and to demonstrate his good news. God is a God of mission, and he's constantly at work, and he is everywhere. You know, if you are the only Christian in your workplace, you are still in the majority because God is there with you. 
It is his mission, and we just get the joy and the privilege of joining in with him as he is at work. And because of this, mission does not need to be burdensome, doesn't need to be tiring, because we can rest in the knowledge that actually we're just joining in with a God who's, bit, who's got it all in, you know, he's in charge anyway. More than that, and in addition to that, when we feel like we're on our own, we have to remember that actually God is positioning people around us. <clears throat> our reading finished at verse 16, um, that's where Esther finished, but in verse 18, God tells Elijah that he, that is, you know, the God of mission, he had reserved 7,000 people in Israel from worshipping Baal. So Elijah thought that he was on his own. He felt like he was all on his own. But actually, he was one amongst, one amongst thousands. You know, Paul could have responded similarly to Elijah. He could have reacted in a similar way. He could have run away. Because he, in our New Testament reading, it says that he was in chains. He was imprisoned because he'd been sharing his faith. And yes, he could have felt all alone, but he leaned on the church and he encouraged his readers to do the same because no matter what, he wasn't going to stop sharing the gospel. You know, throughout this series, it's been great to see videos like today's one of Libby's, uh, you know, where she talks about, uh, and, and the other videos where people talk about how God has been using them on their front lines and how they've been involved in mission. But at the end of the video, uh, Anita asked, you know, what can we be doing to help you? What can we be doing to support you? And likewise, in your front lines, in your mission fields, we want to know as a church how we can be supporting you. That when you engage with your front lines, when you are sharing Jesus through your words or actions with people who don't know him, actually, the church is sharing Jesus. Your mission is our mission. Now, I'm sure we all know Anita. Does everyone know Anita? I'm going to make her stand up. Can you stand up and wave to the people on the camera? <laughs> I don't know a church that employs someone in Anita's role, especially not as, as prominently, you know, with maybe like mega, mega churches might do something similar. But Anita's role, yes, she does lots of things, kind of does like the music, floats around in various places, but her primary role is to support people as they follow Jesus on their front lines. That's brilliant. And actually, as clergy, that's what we love to do. That is a really a huge part of our calling, is to support you in your front lines and support you, help the priesthood of all believers be priests where they are in their fields. So if you feel like you're flagging on your front line, if you feel like you need support, then please come, come look for support because your mission is our mission. Because, um, and I'll finish with this, by the way, that we are called to get involved with God's mission. Sometimes I feel like I just want to survive in my faith. I don't know about you. Sometimes I come to church just to kind of get by so that I can keep going in my faith. But actually, as I said at the beginning, a church that doesn't do mission is not a church. It's central to who we are. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's very much his commission to be, to be a disciple means to make disciples. Notice in 1 Kings that Elijah is refueled by his encounter with God and immediately, the very next verse, immediately God calls him once more to mission to anoint kings. 
God's chosen kings who would, who would have the authority to administer grace, truth, and justice. And then we'll also find Elisha to be the prophet and continue to be God's messenger with Elijah and then beyond him. So together I want to say to us this morning to rest in God. Rest in the knowledge that we aren't alone. Pray for one another as we do this mission with God. Your mission is our mission, and our mission is God's mission. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I want to pray for those who feel like they are struggling or flagging. Those of us in our church for whom survival is all they can think about right now. Lord, remind each of us, especially those in that place, that you are with us. That if ever we're feeling alone or worried or isolated, that we are in the majority because you are there with us. Help us to rest, help us to eat, help us to sleep in the assurance that you love us that you have redeemed us and you are the one who is at work in this world. And Lord, I pray that we as a church might be there to support those who need supporting. I pray that as we gather together, be it in church, in our services, in our home groups, be it in phone calls or various other ways, Lord, I pray that we would be a support to one another we would together be the body of Christ. And Lord Jesus, we pray that in this season where the world is crying out for answers, Lord, help us to show you, Jesus. Help us to show how you are good news. You are good news for this place. You are good news for our friends, our family, our colleagues. You are good news for the people in Downend, in Staple Hill, in Bromley Heath. You are good news. And Lord, we just pray that your salvation would be so apparent in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.